the nature of your emergency. Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody who is listening in on the Tactical Living podcast, as well as everybody who's checking us out over on YouTube. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and this morning I am joined by my new friend, Ms. Victoria Bolt. Victoria, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and drop your questions and your comments down below, because whoever comments the most within the next 24 hours, I'm going to send you a Dollar Shave Club shaving kit. Even if you don't shave, I think that it'll be a good excuse for you too. I know Michael Daly was talking about being lazy and now not having an excuse not to shave. So there you go. Now, our guest today, Victoria, is a grief specialist, a Reiki master, end-of-life doula, a fellow podcaster. She is the host of Grieving Voices. And Victoria, thank you so much for coming onto our show today. I'm excited to share and teach what I've learned. Good. I had this... I had this whole pre-frame of things that we could start off by talking about, but then I noticed that you released an episode on your podcast um, this morning and I had listened to it and you said something very interesting that I don't want to forget to ask you about. You had said, no one has to die for you to grieve. And I'm like, that is so special to say because um, I know how I took that, but I just want to know what made you say that? Because it's true. So. I'm, I got my certification through the Grief Recovery Institute and how the Grief Recovery Institute defines grief is the loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations and anything that you wish would have been or could be different, better, or more with your life, with relationships, you know. So when we think about that definition of grief, that's more than just about death. We can grieve our career. We can grieve let's say we lost a boatload of money like you know there i've heard so many stories of people that take their investment that take their retirement and they have this goal or this dream and they lose it all you know millionaires there's been millionaires that have lost everything um you can lose your loss of health i mean that was huge during covid still even um and you don't have to have COVID to lose your health, right? You can have a chronic condition that nobody can see. And that creates grief because people look at you and they think you're normal and they think everything's fine and they think you're great. And inside you are in excruciating pain or, you know, something because you can't mental illness, right? You can't see it necessarily. Um, so yeah, it's more than just about death. Yeah, something that's coming up for me when you say that is I remember a long time ago, and it might have been even five years ago now, when I hired my first life coach. And I remember that I needed to grieve the old version of me in order to become the newer version of me that I decided that I wanted to work on. And so I think um, seeing the, the parallel and how grieving is not always a, a negative connotation that that's something unexpected that I didn't think would come up. And I also think this is a great segue to ask my first question, because I know that on your list of questions that people could ask you, you make mention of the fact that there's a definition of grief that you have that perhaps we might have never heard of before. So what is that? Just what I said, just what I said, the loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations and anything that you wish would have been different, better, or more. That's why do you, that's grief. Why do you think we're not taught grief in that way? 
Because as a society, even just as, you know, when, can I swear, when the shit hits the fan and your life is going off the rails or you have a lot of change or challenge or grief in your life, let's say you're a parent and you're raising children, you resort to what you know. And so your children see how you respond to grief, how you respond to life's challenges. And actually, by the age of three, we've learned 75% of how to respond to life. Huh. And by age 15, we've learned everything of how to respond to life, everything else. It's those physical cues, those uh, the verbal cues. Just we see children learn by by seeing, right? And being in, in, in their environment. So as an adult, as the parent, if you are not handling grief well or challenging times well let's say you resort to drinking or you're resorting to gambling or any of these behaviors that we call short-term energy relieving behaviors or sturbs for short if you're resorting to these behaviors and you're raising children they're seeing how you're coping with life this is why alcoholism not why i'm not like a licensed you know I'm not a therapist or anything like that. I can't say that that's why alcoholism, but you see that kind of continue in families, right? Because this is a pattern of behavior. Addiction is obviously some more person, some personalities are more prone to addiction, but if you're in an environment where that's how you see people are coping, you're, obviously you're more likely to go down that path yourself, right? Um, so it's very important that as a society, as adults who are raising children, that we address our own shit and clean our doorstep because our children are watching always. Yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah, coffee time. Good morning. Yes, Victoria and I both have our coffee. Good morning. Found my razor. So that must mean that you're completely clean shaven today. Let it continue. Drop your questions down below. and Maybe I'll send you the Dollar Shave Club kit. Um, why is forgiveness an important aspect of grief, Victoria? Forgiveness is not for the other person. It is for you because, you know, they say resentment is a poison that you take hoping the other person dies. Mm. Um, it is something, it is such a strong feeling or emotion that we hold on to for so long. And it, the only person who's suffering is, is you, the other person, you can wait for an apology you'll never receive. Right. So the only thing that you can do is forgive. And that's taking responsibility for your life. Right. And it's not about condoning and it's not about you know, sweeping it under the rug or anything like that. But in grief recovery, we do have a way that you can forgive um, in a healthy way. It is mm -hmm. possible. You know, I, I was a victim of sexual abuse. My father passed away shortly before that. Um, my early life was not easy. And so forgiving the abuser, that was really difficult for me to do in the work that I help others through now, but it's freeing. It's emo you, you keep yourself in emotional jail if you don't. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for sharing that. And it, it, 
it brings something up for me um, in thinking about the, a similar process I had to go through with an ex-fiance of mine in forgiving and, and grieving that, but not necessarily needing him to be involved, right? Like I never had that mm-hmm. conversation with him. So I'm wondering what what are some other types of grief in in relation to that that we might not consider grief? Because for me, a lot of the times, grief, I, I relate that to death. So what in what other ways do we grieve? Mm-hmm. Oh boy. I mean, so career, right? Um, I've been in a position of feeling like I'm in the wrong place, right? Like, so you, or you have a business dream and it's just not happening. Um, all the ways we grieve. I mean, you can lose a child that, I mean, that's death of a loved one, but, um, I said money loss before, um, career loss, health loss. Um, there's more than 40. There's more than 40 plus different losses. Um, you know, people that struggle with addiction or mental health, um, like even bipolar, they say that's the that's the illness of loss. You lose everything. I've had a guest on my podcast, Bob Krulish, um, was mis- was undiagnosed for like 20 some years lost his marriage, lost his business, lost, he lost everything. Now he's um, a self-published author and his life is everything that he's made it to be because he took charge of his life. And um, yeah, there's so many ways we grieve. I mean, like I said, it goes back to that definition. What do you wish was different about your life? What do you wish was better or more with the relationships, loss of a friendship? That's um, often minimized for people and our relationships are what makes life rich, right? Like we need friendships and relationships, friendships in our life. Um, miscarriage is one of the most minimized losses and pet loss too. People don't often think about losing a pet as being like this grieving experience. Like, oh, that's okay. You can get another dog, you know, especially for canine officers, right? Like my uncle was a police officer. He was in the canine and drug unit and he lost, he has had a huge portrait before he passed away. I, I um, had spent some time with him and he had a huge portrait of, of him and his dog. Like he, that was his best friend, you know? So that's one of the minimi- most minimized losses as well, his pet loss. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause we, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago here on this episode. And we've had a lot of people in recent times inside of our group losing a pet. And it is, it's such a, a, devastation when you don't have that in your home anymore. Um, taking us through your journey of, of having to cope with something that brought you to the point of grief. I'm wondering what takes somebody from, from experiencing the event to wanting to do something how you did. Cause I, I know in another podcast, you made mention of finding something and then realizing like, this is it. I need to do this so I can give this to other people. What took you from that, from that place to, to starting this journey? Well, like I said, when I was young, I had a lot of grief and loss in my life. So my grandmother passed away a year later, my my father passed away and that was my mom's mom. So my mom lost her mom and her husband and mm-hmm. uh, a very short period of time. And then I was molested um, going into my twenties. I had a long-term relationship I ended. Like there was so many, like grief just stacks up, right? Like we just keep putting these backpack of rocks. We have this backpack and we just keep putting rocks and rocks in it since childhood. And so by the time you're adult and you reach like middle age, 
you know, they say that middle midlife crisis, which is really, I think all of the shit that happened before you is just like coming crashing down because hmm. I think all of us have that one more loss that just takes us over the edge. And that happened for me. And that was actually my uncle who I just spoke about, uh, the canine officer. Um, he was, um, very close to my dad. And when my dad passed away, he was no longer in my life and none of my father's family was. Um, so I not only lost my dad, I lost his entire family. Um, it was just, there was just a lot of emotional stuff between the adults. And so I was left without uncles and aunts and cousins and, you know, and that's the thing too, I want to mention is that as adults, we don't recognize or realize at the time, our choices have an impact on our children. And it can be for decades. Like I said, I didn't have a relationship with my, my father's family anymore. Uh, so I went to see him when he was in the hospital, he had brain cancer. Um, and um, I had six months to reconnect with him. But that was the loss that really took me over the edge. Like, oh, I guess I'm not okay. I thought I was, but I'm not. And then I lost a friendship as well, um, around that same time. And so I just went to Google and I found grief recovery and I went to Austin, Texas, where I certified and went through the process myself that I take people through. And um, it's been amazing for clients that I've worked with and for millions of others. I don't know about millions. I don't know how many people have gone through it because it's been around for over 40 years. Um, uh -huh. And actually, it was a veteran that started it. He was a Vietnam veteran that started That's the Great Recovery Institute. Yeah. Good morning, Ashley. Smile. I am smiling. It's kind of hard to smile when someone's talking about. <laughs> yeah. I was in school when my kids were little and I didn't get to spend much time just being and playing with them. And I grieve the loss of that time with them. Hmm. Victoria, somebody who is reflecting on, on past loss, essentially something that we can't get back in a situation like this. What advice would you have for them? Well, I don't know how they old, how old are they now? But you have an opportunity now to reconnect in a way that you weren't able to maybe um, and maybe at a level that you weren't able to then. And I'll say personally, um, I was a ragey mom. So even if you are present, like and I was a work at home mom. So even if you are present, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're really present. Right. Because mm -hmm. I that's when all of my like my midlife crisis and my midlife unraveling was happening when my kids were little. And if I could turn back the clock, I certainly would, because I've learned obviously so much more now. I'm wiser now, but I have more emotional regularity now, like I can mm -hmm. emotionally regulate myself. Um, but I've worked through a lot of my stuff that I'm not projecting onto my kids anymore. And so, 17 and 20. And I definitely do dedicate more time and attention to them now. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, especially that age, I have teenagers. My oldest just turned 18. He's going to be going off to college. I think the biggest thing to do at this time is to be a heart with ears and be willing to go first. Um, my biggest thing is I want my children to know that they can come to me no matter what, even if they think what they want to say to me is going to disappoint me because how else am I going to know if they're struggling? And so if I'm struggling with something or if I'm upset or sad about something, I talk to them about it. If it obviously involves them, I go first. Like this is how I'm feeling. And I'm emotionally honest about things so that I hope that when they see my vulnerability with them, that they can be vulnerable with me. 
Because mm-hmm. often yeah. with kids, you have to go first as an adult, especially when it comes to grief and loss, right? If you lose, if let's say you lose a parent, like let's say that child lost a parent, you lost your spouse. Um, so oftentimes I've heard stories where they don't want the children to talk about the, the, the other person, right? Or um, especially children um, that lose a grandparent, like the the son or daughter is like, no, don't talk about grandma and grandpa because that makes me sad, right? I've heard of stories like that. And really that what that does is it shuts the child down from emotionally emoting what they're feeling. And so we become stuffers as adults when we can't emote as children. That's really powerful that you said that because in, in the situation with my mom passing away, it was the opposite. My dad completely shut down, doesn't want to talk about my mom. I can't even make mention of something that reminds me of my mom because of that pain. Like he, he hasn't wanted to um, soothe himself or find help or come to that place of healing. So that is incredibly powerful because as, as the other person who, you know, doesn't receive that, it's not only, um, it's not only something that's impacting him, but as a child, it also takes away from that for me to be able to, you know, because I can't share that experience with anybody else, but him with my brothers, it's a different experience. Right. And that can fracture a relationship. I mean, that can, that alone can fracture a relationship. And so you can't force someone to address their feelings and and work through a, a grieving experience. We all have our own way that we do that. And, but, so the best thing you can do is maybe find that person you can relate to and relate with. Um, I, you know, here's one thing too. I'll share this because it was so powerful. One of my guests had shared it um, to have four people in your life. And I'm going to refer to women because she was a woman and we were talking about girlfriends, like friendship relationships and the importance of them. And she said the four friends that every woman or this can apply to men too, but you should have a wise woman, an emotional support who only listens. So like I said, a heart with ears, a go-getter and a late night talker. And for a lot of people, we look to that one person that maybe checks all those boxes, but not one person is really probably gonna check all those boxes. And so this is where we get, when the shit hits the fan, let's say you get a cancer diagnosis or you lose someone really close to you, your spouse or whatever, and this is where we lose friendships because we expect them to show up for us in a certain way mm. and they disappoint us. Right. But maybe they're not the go-getter. Maybe they're not that person that you need. Like you thought they should show up for you in this certain way and they're not, but maybe they're the late night talker. Right. Maybe that's so look at your friendships and see what, what box they check off for you because it's often not going to be just one person that can fill all of those roles. And I think so often we look to, that one person to do that and this is where friendships become fractured too when life becomes challenging yeah and that's such a great point too because something's so unexpected for me and i I keep bringing up my mom because that was the biggest you know grief that i've had in my life but i remember my husband was he was all the things i needed him to be and then he knew not to be the things that i didn't need him to be and so i think that you making mention of the fact that not not any one person can feel fill all of those roles. It's also important, I think, for us to um, understand that the same is true of ourselves or of our spouses. Yes, especially when losing when losing a parent. Exactly right, because you can feel guilty as a friend if you're not doing all these things. Like, well, oh, well, how can I help? Well, ask the person. Well, how can I? This is where my skills are. 
how can I help you with what I know what to do? Like, mm -hmm. you know, just ask, you know, if you're struggling with, with guilt, maybe of not doing enough in those situations, but yeah. In the beginning, we were talking about your, your passion for educating people on grief. And I know that one of the most uncomfortable things for all of us is when we get that phone call or we see that Facebook post and we read that, you know, somebody that this person cared about has passed away. What is the, the best response in that moment when we, we often don't know what to say? You can say that. I don't know what to say, but I'm here for you. Be honest just emotionally honest because I think Thank so you. much and people try to relate, right? You try to relate. Oh, you know, so like cancer, for example, you know, I lost my, you know, so then we compare, right? Then we start comparing and people it's unintentional, but we tend to then bring up our own stuff or we bring up aunt Susie's uncle's brothers <laughs> you know, died of the same thing. I'm, you know, so yeah, you don't need to do all that. Like, if you don't know what to say, just say, I don't know what to say, but I'm here for you or I'm thinking of you. Yeah, that's really powerful. Now, when when somebody comes to you for the services that you provide, the website is www.theunleashedheart.com. Why would they be seeking you out? What type of services do you provide? kind of do a number of different things, but they all tie together. So uh, I, I'm an energy worker. So I offer um, energy healing through Reiki and it's called biofield tuning, which uses tuning forks um, that uses the tuning forks is used in your energy field that surrounds your body five to six feet out that extends out. Um, our biofield informs the body and the body informs the biofield and oftentimes trauma can show up in our energy field um, because trauma is what happens and grief is what's left. Um, mm. So I often, I have had people that started an energy healing work actually move into grief recovery work with me because their stuff is all emotional. It's, you know, you have these physical manifestations, but they often show up. Um, it's they're showing up and they're physically manifesting because it's emotional stuff it's trauma, it's grief, it's all of the stuff we just talked about. Um, so I offer energy healing and then grief recovery, and both are available online or in person. Um, grief recovery is also in groups online as a possibility. Um, yeah. And UMAP actually too. Um, so when I, what I found when I was working with grievers, they would work through all this stuff and then be like, okay, well, what now? What do I do now? Like, I've answered, I've like worked through all this stuff and what now? And so UMAP answers the what now because through uh, there's four different assessments that we use in UMAP and you learn your top five strengths, your, your values, your top 10 values, which are often the root of a lot of grief for people. Hmm. If you value honesty and everyone allow you, around you is lying or you're with someone who lies to you, they're violating your value of honesty. And that creates a lot of grief for people. Um, that's just one value. Um, if you value freedom, but you're feeling tied down in your life or like someone just doesn't allow you to be you, you're gonna have grief about that. 
Hmm. Um, it really shows you the relationships in your life that are probably toxic or that you don't have boundaries around. <laughs> so, and going through grief work, you learn where you don't have boundaries. So UMAP helps you establish, well, why is that? And then we look at your skills, um, your top, your preferred skills, your least preferred skills, you know, if, if you're experiencing burnout in your job, like why is, what skills are you overusing or underusing? Um, maybe you're in the wrong role completely, right? Because you're not using your strengths. Um, and then you learn how you're wired, like how your personality ties into that. So all of those together create what's called a UMAP. And I use that with grief recovery because I can see your UMAP and I can probably see where you have a lot of grief. And it helps me understand you in a way without you saying a single word. Um, so it's been a really great add to the work that I'm doing. They're two separate programs, but I've combined them to do grief differently, which is my one-on-one 12 week program hmm. uh, because it's so important. Um, and a lot of people, they realize, oh crap, I'm in, I'm completely in the wrong place in my life. Like I need to get out of here. People have made big changes based on their UMAP and it is like a guidepost. It's like your, um, what do you call it? Your lighthouse. You know, if you have an opportunity that gets put on your lap, all right, well, let's compare this to my UMAP and see if this really aligns with everything that of who I am. So yeah, it really that, helps you live your life in an authentic way. I feel like when it comes to self-development, I know every main genre, and I've never heard of the concept of utilizing grief as a self-development tool in this way. So thank you so much for that. And I know we have to wrap this up, but I have to ask Ashley's super selfish question, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. I've gone to Reiki Masters. I've done Reiki in person. I know what that experience is like. I know how powerful it is. And I've had I've had an incredible, incredible experience um, in particular doing it. How does energy work work when you're doing it remotely? <laughs> oh boy, you want a quick answer. That's really tough to answer. Um, well, you know, energy, let's just get philosophical for a moment or like, you know, Albert Einstein, but energy knows no space or time. Energy knows no space or time. Time is an illusion that us here in the 3D has come up to make our lives easier, right? <laughs> but time was something that was made up. Um, time didn't exist. It was like the sun came up, the sun went down. There was no time. Right. So time energy knows no space or time. It can either it can either be um, what is it destroyed or what's the word? Can't think of the word. Energy cannot be something or destroyed. Oh, I can't think of the word. <laughs> Someone else here says I've wondered that, too, like wondering about that energy exchange when you're doing something so powerful remotely. So in two, I don't even need to connect with you on a zoom call. I do like with biofield tuning, just because, um, I like for people to hear the tuning forks and mm -hmm. some of my clients like to hear the tuning forks. I do have a client that she doesn't know, nope, just do your session and you don't have to be like resting or relaxing to receive, um, energy healing virtually. Um, that's another cool thing. Um, but yeah, I, I have clients that prefer some, I just come in person and others, not necessarily. So it cannot, cannot be created or destroyed. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Not be created or destroyed. It can only be changed, right? It can only be changed. So if we're having a session and you're using the tuning forks, is that your energy, my energy, or a combination of both when we're doing it remotely? 
I am purely tapping into your energy. That is it. That is so it. from from a remote location. Yes. So I am a highly empathic person. And especially in sessions, I will feel things. I tend to feel things physically for people, like if they have, or I can feel where energy kind of, um, not gets stuck, but kind of stops, or like where the energy doesn't flow necessarily. So with biofield tuning, let me explain Reiki versus biofield tuning. Reiki is more so the energy that's within your body. That's kind of, we're working with the energy that's within your body. We're working to just, you know, align the energy, um, clean it up or not clean it up, but just, yeah, bring it into harmony. Whereas biofield tuning with using the tuning forks, it is addressing the energy field that's around your body. Mm. And so that's going to impact your energy within your body, right? It's So I feel like biofield tuning is actually more powerful than Reiki. Um, I've actually gone for my, my Reiki master, but then I went a step up of that, um, Karuna Holy Fire Reiki master. Um, but this is just really powerful. But I do include both in my energy healing because I used to do them separate, but then I thought, you know, because I like to, I've kind of come up with my own. Um, what I realized is sometimes people need less. Sometimes they need a little more. And I didn't want to box myself in in a session or have people have to choose because they don't know what they need. You don't necessarily know what you need before you come in for a session. And I wanted the I wanted more freedom in being able to give them what they need and what their body is telling me they need. Not what I it's not what I think you need. It's what comes up in the session. And so I just call it energy healing now. And you might get some biofield tuning. You might get Reiki. You might get both. You might get just Reiki. I don't know. <laughs> Depends what comes up. So in relation to the biofield, then is that because I've never done that before. And the way I'm understanding it is like um, invisibly burning sage around you to like protect me from anything outside of myself. Is that right? No, because it's not that you need to protect yourself from anything around you. It's that we need to clean up the energy that is around us that comes from our past and our trauma. Mm, not exterior to us yeah we can have like this ancestral stuff that gets passed down to us we can have these patterns of these patterns that are passed down to us and so we have what's called an ancestral river it's like this energy flow it's almost like if you imagine guitar strings on either side um, and this is how the energy just kind of shows up in the tuning fork it it changes so the the tuning fork picks up the dissonance in your energy field and it cleans it up, it brings harmony to it, but it picks up these photons that are entangled in these guitar strings, right? Of your energy field. And it the tuning forks give that back to you. So a lot of people, most people um, feel energized after a tuning session. Um, I have one client in particular that said it's helped her with migraines because she's actually been on prescription for migraines um, and she's seen a reduction in needing that prescription. Um, I have one client that deals with anxiety. Um, it just helps to like ground her and center her. And yeah, it, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing add to the services that I provide. How long does that like tune up last? 
I offer 60 or 90 minute sessions. Oh, no, no. I mean like the frequency oh. of it. So if I did that, oh, like sure. how often do you have, because someone here says I would love to try um, that bio field. Everybody's different. Um, I don't tell my clients you need to come back to me three more times or I don't, your body will let you know. And that's pretty much, I leave it to the discretion of my clients. For some of them, depending on what's happening, I think it depends what's happening in your life. It's a really challenging time. You might feel like you need that every week. If it's, you know, sometimes it's just maintenance, right? Like you go to the chiropractor or you go get a massage. It's just kind of maintenance. Those are energy work too. That's energy work too. Um, or acupuncture, things like that. So think of it like that type of thing. Um, it may be maintenance or it may be something that you need more frequently if there's something particular you want to address. I actually did. Um, I had a woman that was having a lot of response to um, she had um, uh, Lyme disease mm. and she was having a flare up and, you know, her lymph was all swollen and she was she was just feeling like crap. And what I did for her was we we did it's, it's called an adrenal rhythm reset where we work on just your adrenals for three sessions straight. Um, she had felt fantastic after that. Um, we actually did four sessions. The fourth was just kind of like, ah, I think you need one more just for good measure. And yeah, so we did four sessions and she said it, it immensely helped her a lot. And that she's was a massage remotely. Yes. No, that was in person. She's a massage therapist too. But you can do that remotely. But I can, um, I would have to double check on that because there's there's a couple different specific um, things that we can do. Like there's some like a spinal. There's like a spinal. Um, I forget what it's called right now. It's a thing you do like down the entire spine, but that has to be in person. I think the adrenal rhythm reset can be done virtually, but it can't be the first session. It shouldn't be the first session. Is there any um, like sound frequency or anything that goes along with that, or is it just the energy? Nope with with that it's just tuning forks hmm. yeah Very and so i wonder yeah. is there is there a way or do you have i looked at your website but i didn't see it is there anything that um shows like an example of a session uh not an example of a session um well if you go to biofieldtuning.com you'll see like more pictures and things um i actually have here one second Sorry, guys, told you selfish questions, but you should know better by now. I'll just give you a little sample. So like this is one that I use to like you can actually clear, clear kind of like clean, like add, like clean the frequency of your home. I've done this for myself in my own home. Um, this is a 528. This is like, I don't know, it's like the let's it's the it's like the purifier right mm. so i i use this at the end of a session to just wrap your body what does um, that mean 528 there's different sizes of these or nope this is the hertz okay there's hertz so like there's there's um have you ever if you've never heard of um schumann resonance mm -mm. schumann resonance is the energy is the um frequency of the earth that is created by every single lightning strike around the globe Hmm. The frequency of the earth is the 528 and the, um, one second. 
For anybody who doesn't believe that sound frequency is a real deal, I'll tell you, I know somebody who was playing around with sound frequency and he sent me, I'm not sure what the numbers of it are, but it's supposed to be like a sound frequency of the double. And he didn't, he didn't tell me what it was. He wanted, cause he knows that like I can sense and pick up on things and I will be very straightforward with it. It made me feel, feel physically ill when he sent that sound frequency to me. So for anybody who might not be familiar, perhaps would be a skeptic, um, sound frequencies are are definitely the real deal. I know a lot of people that, that do a lot of sound baths and breath work, and this is a part of their modality and practice. And it's literally changed the people's lives for um, the, the clients that they work with. Why do you think water is so soothing to us? Like if we go mm -hmm. to the lake or the ocean or whatever, the, it's the frequency you get, you get the closer you get to the frequency of water. Like it just makes you feel better, right? Everything is energy. Everything is energy. So everything has an, a frequency, a sound frequency. Um, I actually saw this really cool gadget. It's like you clip it onto a plant and you can hear the sound frequency of that plant. It was so right. cool. I was like, oh man, I want that. It was like 300 bucks. But, <laughs> <sighs> but so like we have weighted forks and then we have the unweighted forks. So this is the Schumann Resonance set. It's 54.81 and 62.64. And together, these are the frequency of the earth. So I don't know if you can hear that at all because the weighted forks don't have like a a sound you can really hear necessarily unless you're like it's next to your ear so i don't know if you can hear that but the weighted don't like it's it's a frequency that so these are used on the body i use these i, I have to pause you for a second because i did not hear that and i don't know if it's just like my yeah telling me but i felt something in the back of my head twice once when you put it forward you brought it back i didn't feel it anymore and then i felt something again in the back of my head yeah you're not going to necessarily really hear it because the weighted forks the the sound is is it's in it's in the fork itself like that's how the best way i can describe it it's um that's the difference between a weighted and an unweighted fork um so you're not going to hear that if, if you're like with me in person and i put these beside you you can hear the frequency of there it's so cool um, these are actually great for if you have a headache, like, you know, using that like that. But so these, this is a, a, um, a weight, an unweighted fork. This is weighted. This is unweighted. Um, unweighted. So this is the 528. So this is that spring, like the clean your environment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you'll hear this one. Mm. It's just a really light. Are you hitting them on each other? Nope, I'm using it a puck. It's such a you, really loving sound. Do you put somebody into, um, like, do you go through any kind of meditative state or anything like that before you start a session like this? Uh, it's more so I prepare myself, um, set an intention. Um, I do ask if there's something in particular that a client has wants to work through. I ask them to set, an, we set an intention then for the session, but I set an intention. It's almost like a prayer. Like I, I pray for my clients like the whole time. It's how I can best describe it for me personally, like what I'm doing. Um, and for the client, it's being open to receiving. And that's really 
a lot of us have a really hard time receiving love, money, um, compliments. Like, and so a lot of us, our back chakras have issues. And so I always start with the back chakras before I do anything else, because I want you to be able to receive what you're going to be receiving for the session. So to mm. do that, um, I feel it's very important to start with your back chakras. Now, this fork, this is 144 hertz. We call this the spring cleaning fork, and it is like, it is the emotional fork. This has never come up for, to be used first in a session. Um, it's usually maybe after two or three or four. Um, I don't I don't always choose the fork to be used. Sometimes I feel drawn to let the pendulum choose what your mm -hmm. body needs. And it's never chosen this fork first because this is after we've done some work together. Um, but when I first used this, like I was just using it with myself, um, the next day I was like tearing apart my kitchen cupboards, cleaning them like, and I'm like, and it didn't occur to me until, oh my God, that's right. I used the 144. <laughs> like, like a purge or something. Yeah. It's a spring, spring cleaning fork and it's the emotional, like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So this one's a lot of, you either love this one or you hate it. It's crazy to me, the different, um, the different places in your body where you experience these sound frequencies. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling it in my ears, actually. Yeah, my ears I felt it in the back of my ears. And in uh, kind of my job, can a person utilize these sounds digitally or does it have to be a tuning fork? Uh, actually, so if you go to biofieldtuning.com, she's got a lot of um, things that you can purchase. Anybody can purchase them um, with the tuning forks. There's um, audio sessions that you can purchase with the, that use the tuning forks. They're audio sessions, basically. Um, she has those for purchase. Eileen, when I say she, Eileen McCusick, she's the founder of Biofield Tuning. Um, and she's got two books, um, The Electric Body, and I can't recall the other one that she has, but um, she's done a lot of research. Um, she's actually designed these tuning forks. Um, and because not all tuning forks are created equal. So, yeah. You mean a lot of that crap from China that says it's supposed to be one thing, but you really don't know and you're just assuming it is. Yeah. And it probably do harm to your body. And not all pucks are created equal. It has to be a Canadian puck, <laughs> she says. <laughs> so they make the best That's hockey cute. pucks. Yeah. Oh, it's a real puck. I thought it's it was a real like. No, it's a real I hockey puck. you were just puck. saying puck because it was shaped. That's cool. Nope. It's a Canadian hockey puck. And it says oh, cool. Canada. I don't know if you can't see it. Yeah. Canada. Um, my dad's French Canadian, so I can appreciate yep. that. That's cool. Well, thank you so much for, for answering all of our questions and giving us a little demonstration. Tuning fork test different frequencies. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So if anybody is interested in getting a hold of Victoria directly, if you've enjoyed this little mini session as much as I have, you can reach out to her directly at theunleashedheart.com. And you also have a free energy quiz and some ebooks that they can go on and just easily sign up for. You can see it as soon as you log into her homepage. So thank you to everybody who's tuning in. Make sure you keep your comments and your questions going. And then I will announce the winner of the Dollar Shave Club shaving kit tomorrow morning. Victoria, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.